Hi, my name is Ryan McDonough, and you are listening to The Solar Panel, a Phoenix Sun show. So, it has been a wild week as a Suns fan. And uh, Dave, I think you can attest to this. I don't know, were you awake on Friday night uh, after 10 p.m. when the whole Ariza trade debacle was happening like live on Twitter? Oh, it was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I was. I was at a holiday party actually at a friend's house and I started getting notifications on my phone and in and, and hearing texts going through and bang, 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 bang on my phone like a pinball machine. So I pulled it out. I got myself into a corner away from all the folks and, and uh, I just saw it unfolding live. I did not like the original deal, even if it had Dylan Brooks in there. I didn't think Dylan Brooks was worth um, spending a lot of, uh, I mean, Ariza had only so much capital, but um, focusing on a Dylan Brooks back, I didn't think was was um, ideal. But that does kind of show you what, what uh, talent was out there available to the Suns uh, for Trevor Ariza, a one-year rental. So, but yes, I saw it unfold and then the deal is done and then the deal is dead and all the which Brooks is it? That's just that just baffled me. So, and there's still no clear answer because all sides are digging in their heels, saying it wasn't them. Well, I think it was a little bit of everybody, but I think it was a lot of Washington. And you know, because basically the Suns were using Washington as a middleman in this trade right here, which is fine. Um, that's actually not unheard of. It does it does happen a lot. The the surprising mm-hmm. part about it was that as as it as it became finalized uh, the league actually has to call each team and confirm that this is what is going to happen and that uh, all of the parties agree to the players involved yada 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 and that's when they realized that they were talking about different brooks it took that long now so even if you were having a team be the middleman at what point before you call the league office do you not all hop on a conference call or get a uh, a chain email going just to <clears throat> confirm? Well, what I don't quite understand is, is how is it possible that Washington and Memphis never actually said the first name of one of the players when, I mean, everybody knows there's two different Brookses on those teams and the people who get paid to know every team's rosters are the ones who are talking to each other. So how is it possible that the Grizzlies never even mentioned a first name about of, of a Brooks and Washington never picked up on it, that it wasn't the one the Suns wanted? Why in the world would the Suns want Marshawn Brooks? Well, that's, I why, mean, that's why the Grizzlies were like, yes, kind of, yes, we'll do it. Take him. <laughs> of course the Grizzlies were saying, sure. <laughs> but why would the Suns ever want Marshawn Brooks? Well, that's They already have Troy Daniels. Well, well, that when I was looking at the at the package and it was Marshawn Brooks, I was just like, well, this is weird, but you know, okay, I guess Trevor Ariza's value isn't all that high. Now it was it was interesting because you actually had Gambo and Woj like offering two like really different competing stories. Well, Woj, Woj started with Dylan. Yeah, right. Because well, that's and a, then he switched to Marshawn only because somebody told him to, because that's what these guys do is they get their sources and then it's another source and then another source. Yeah, so but um, they started with Dylan. Everyone, Shams, as well, started with started with Dylan. Well, you can tell where the leak was coming from, then, right? So the leak was uh, uh, clearly coming from the Sun side. Uh, Gamble or also Washington. has a, a direct. Washington. Well, Washington um, didn't realize that it was Dylan Brooks. No, Washington thought it was Dylan. Washington thought it was Dylan, and the Suns thought it was Dylan. It's just that Washington never had actually Memphis say their guy's name out loud, apparently. Um, but Washington knew that the Suns, um, Bob Young posted an article overnight about the at least the Suns side of it. And uh, Washington was trying to get Trevor Ariza and the Suns had talked, had mentioned to Washington that they had been in contact with Memphis over time uh, looking at Dylan Brooks. And so Washington said, well, why don't we broker a deal? where we get a reason you end up getting Brooks back. Um, and the Suns said, okay. And that's how it happened. So Washington thought 
that Dylan was the one, the one the Suns wanted was the one in the deal, but never actually asked because Washington wasn't keeping the guy. It is. So apparently they didn't care. So I was talking to a uh, well-informed Wizards fan about this yesterday, and I was just kind of curious because on Suns Twitter, obviously it's been a bad week for Robert Sarver. It's been a bad week for the Suns. We'll go into that later. We don't need to get into that right now. But needless to say, it's it's been a bad week for, for Robert Sarver. So there's not a lot of uh, leeway when it comes to mistakes that the Suns make. So the minute that there is any sort of confusion, Suns fans, probably rightfully so, jump to the conclusion that it's the Suns' fault. I was talking to a Wizards fan, again, a well-informed Wizards fan, and he was telling me that Wizards Twitter was all over Ernie Grunfeld uh, regarding this. they were. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I tell you what, no no team's detractors. um, Sorry, I'm going to say this a different way. The team's own fans are the ones who are the best trollers on on their team, their favorite team, when they make mistakes. Suns fans are the best at making fun of the Suns. So I could imagine the Wizards fans are the best at making fun of the Wizards and so on. Well, especially with the shithole season that they're having, too. Wow. Yeah, you talk about drama. They've got some serious drama there. And, you know, as much as as much as people love Trevor Ariza for being a glue guy... If he is in a bad situation, it's clear that he checks out pretty quick. He proved that. The Sun Solar Panel Podcast, now available on Spotify. Just search Sun Solar Panel. Now, back to three awkward guys talking about the Suns. So the Suns actually did acquire some players. Uh, Austin Rivers, Kelly Oubre. Personally, I like... Uh, the Oubre acquisition a bit more than the Austin Rivers one, though I do actually appreciate. I think the Suns getting a decent point guard, shooting guard, combo guard, whatever you want to call them on the roster. I do think that there's value in that for the rest of the season for a number of reasons that we've outlined before, specifically with Aiton, though. But Kelly Oubre, so averaging 13 points, four and a half rebounds, almost a steal game, 0.7 blocks, uh, 43% shooting overall, 31% from three. Um what I like about Ubre specifically is he's in the top 50 for uh, deflections per game. Uh, pretty good defender, a lot like Josh Jackson. I'm sure a lot of people have seen Ubre play, but he's a player with some upside, so I like him there. Austin Rivers, six-year vet. He played point guard and shooting guard for the Pelicans, Toronto, and the Clippers. Last year, he shot 37% from three. He's a career 15% assist percentage guy. He is by far having the worst season of his career right now, though, with the Wizards. As Dave mentioned uh, there's been some there's been some drama with the Wizards, so it's hard to take away uh, too much from that. Um, but overall, like I don't know, Dave, what do you think of the Hall? I guess I should say. <clears throat> so uh, obviously, it wasn't going to be a franchise-saving trade because Trevor Reason only had so much value as an expiring contract. Some uh, some folks hang on that expiring contract thing, thinking it's an actual panacea because it used to be back in the day when teams needed to create cap space in the off seasons. But this is just expiring contracts for expiring contracts trade. Uh, They're not as valuable as they used to be. So getting something of value for Ariza is actually pretty good. Uh, Yeah, I I like the potential of a Kelly Oubre, and people worry that, wow, he can't play in this rotation. Trevor Ariza was playing 34 minutes in this same rotation. So I think between – and some backup point guard – uh, was playing 12 to 15 minutes. So I, I really do think that there's room for both guys, um, Austin Rivers on on some kind of minutes, and then Kelly Oubre on some kind of minutes. And we'll see what happens with the rest of the Suns. I mean, Oubre, is he better right now than Josh Jackson? Yes. Is Austin Rivers better right now than, say, Isaiah Kanan? Yes. Is there a question on whether he's better than DeAnthony Melton? Well, Austin Rivers is a more proven product than DeAnthony Melton. I really love watching DeAnthony Melton play, and I want to see him play more. But I would not be surprised if Igor starts Austin Rivers um, when he's available and then has Melton come off the bench uh, where Melton doesn't have to go against the other team's starters all the time. And then we'll just see how – then you see how the game goes every game because whoever starts doesn't mean that that person finishes. So I think um, I think it's a good deal. The Suns went have basically a plus one on NBA caliber players. I did some analysis recently. And I couldn't figure out how to put it into an article. 
But I did some analysis on really the Suns um, for the last year and a half, basically, have only had guys who were 22 or and under or 30 and over. And uh, <laughs> most people most people realize that uh, a player's peak athletically and physically um, and uh, talent-wise using their basketball IQ to the best of their abilities is somewhere between the ages of 23 and 29. Because after twenty nine, twenty six and thirty, probably. But yeah, I get your point. But even twenty three to twenty nine, you know, it's like right. so. But so, what I did is I did some analysis, and the Suns are by far, by far, like by about half. The Suns have the fewest minutes of guys aged twenty three to twenty nine in the entire league. T.J. Warren being the obvious exception, Isaiah Canaan early in the season being an exception to that. But that means. Even with those two in the rotation, because I did this analysis before Kanan was released, even those two in the rotation, the Suns were still less than uh, more than more than more than twice as few minutes from guys 23 to 29 than the next closest team almost. Um, so now the Suns get 23 year old Kelly Oubre, they get 25, 26 year old um, Austin Rivers. They're actually you're going to see actual competent NBA play because they're at least a little bit predictable. They may not be top end. They may not. They're certainly not all star caliber, but they're predictable. So I, I think this is a, a good trade for the Suns in terms of competitiveness. We saw I think we saw the bottom of the Suns ability to win games uh, uh, just crash and burn over the last. I think they're 16 and 66 over the last 82 before the last two wins Thursday and Saturday. So that's pretty darn bad. Um, <clears throat> I think we've seen the bottom, and I think the the Suns are going to be a lot more competitive the rest of the season, and I'm looking forward to watching that. I like watching competitive basketball. Call me an optimist. It's kind of fun watching competitive basketball. What do you think, Tim? I am just really excited to have a Kelly Oubre, Josh Jackson lineup, honestly. I'm just, not saying it'll be good. Just two guys flailing all over the place. <laughs> one's a lefty, one's a righty. Um you know, Josh, what is he? Two, he was two for 14 the other night. Sounds um, about right. On Saturday, he was two for something else. It's so I wouldn't mind there being some competition. Ubre does have, um, he was two for 10 on Saturday. Ubre does have talent there. He does play defense really well. He's got really long arms. So I, I think it's just nice to see another guy out there who's going to try hard has a little bit of a swagger and uh, can make some shots. Well, so you kind of noted on it earlier, both the players are in a contract year. I feel like this is a little bit more important for Ubre when it comes to the Suns, because no matter what you think of the Suns point guard rotation, uh, at the very least, the Suns have their backup point guards of the future. I'm pretty certain of that, so I don't really think that Austin Rivers has much of a place with this team moving forward. Kelly Ubre might, though. Uh, he, he is in a contract year, and if he plays well, I mean, he might stick around. Yeah, if he plays well. The thing is, uh, what kind of contract offer is he going to get? So going into Alex Len's fourth season, we all thought he might be worth $20 million a year in the new landscape of, of the NBA. And obviously, he didn't turn out to be worth that. Um, there are guys, very few people actually got extensions off of their contract this uh, for next year. Uh, you guys saw two of them on Saturday night in Carl Anthony Towns and Devin Booker. But most other guys don't have contracts going into next year. They're all going to be restricted free agents. So I don't know how far the money is going to go on the open market. I'm not sure Kelly Oubre is going to get that $20 million a year that people thought he might get. Um, we'll see how he plays and we'll see how effective he is for the Suns. Yeah, maybe you bring him back and maybe it's a reasonable contract. But uh, you can also just let him go. It's, it's totally okay because the Suns were going to let Trevor Ariza go, so it's no loss. And on that note, let's go ahead and take a break. And when we get back, someone named Greg Esposito is going to be joining us.
and back. Missed an episode, missed the intro on this one. Mr. Greg Esposito, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you. It's like I'm a guest on the, on a show that I've been on 100 plus episodes of. It's nice. <laughs> uh, Dave and I just if spent I... Some, some time uh, talking about the whole uh, trade debacle, but uh, <laughs> what were your thoughts as it was going down live? It is, it is pretty amazing that a team, this team could win two games in a row and still be a loser this week. Yeah, that's the, how, how, do you, how do you make a deal and not know who's in the deal? Like, it, 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 how, how does that even happen? I mean, the, the thing to me, and I get it, the, the, the PR spin is on to make it sound like it was 100% the Grizzlies' fault, which I understand that's going to happen. That's the way way this is going to play out. But even if the Grizzlies did pull a, try to pull a fast one and had agreed on Dylan Brooks and then backed out, that's because James Jones is inexperienced. They would not pull that on an experienced GM ever. So to me, this is just a byproduct of having a highly inexperienced front <clears throat> office running things and, and putting you in a position where a team could actually pull that. So when I was watching it in real time, I, I was befuddled. And I think most people were. Nobody, nobody's, ever, nobody's ever seen anything <laughs> quite like that. And, uh, and it was quite impressive. We, we haven't talked about it yet, but what was, what's your guys' reaction to Robert Sarver refusing to do a trade with the Lakers? Because personally, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it either. I mean, they got a lot of flack for allowing Tyson Chandler just to walk over there. Um, and uh, at least he's showing a little bit of pride that way in that he didn't want to facilitate yet another move of a player that LeBron or the front office wanted uh, two months in a row. So I don't, I don't, I didn't mind it. I mean, it depends on what the return was going to be. Was it? Well, we be know what it than... wasn't going to be. It wasn't going to be Lonzo Ball. It wasn't going to be Hart. It wasn't going to be Ingram. It wasn't going to be one of their young okay. up and coming players. Okay, so if it, in that case, then sure, I don't mind it. Uh, does it bother me that he's still meddling and he was heavily involved in all of this? Slightly, because that's how we wound up in uh, in the predicament we are as Suns fans. But. Uh, you know what? It worked. It worked out. Some of this is dumb luck, but it worked out all right because the getting Austin Rivers and Kelly Oubre is probably more than you ever expected to get out of Trevor Ariza when when you were just dealing guy that obviously didn't want to be here anymore. Honestly, I just thought we were going to get some second round picks out of him. Yeah. Well, it was going to. I mean. <laughs> the Suns actually lucked into getting a pretty good return on this now. This is, excuse me, when we're recording, it's Sunday. When this posts and you guys will be listening to it, it'll be Monday. By that time, it's quite possible Kelly Oubre is no longer um, on the team. Uh, the Suns cannot make the trade call until Monday morning uh, with the league. And it's quite po- I, I know I heard yesterday that other teams were calling the Suns to see how much they wanted to keep Oubre because they had not originally planned to have him in the first place. So there, there may be a flip as well, uh, sending Ubre somewhere else. But if the Suns do keep Ubre, I think that was the best possible um, of the ones mentioned that were available. That was the best possible one available. So I think it's good, and I just think it's funny that that's not the guy the Suns wanted. See, I, I really hope they trade. If they're going to trade a young small forward right now, trade Josh Jackson instead of Ubre. Keep Ubre, see if he fits, and try to sign him long term. Because I think at this point. He's probably got higher potential than what we're seeing out of Josh Jackson. Uh, I would I would highly consider that at this point. And, and and if you especially if you can land a an actual NBA point guard for Josh Jackson from somebody, then you actually make this team better. Uh, right now, right now they've just done what they've done for the last few years, and they've shuffled the deck chairs by adding yet another. P- player uh, at a position that they have too many players at uh, well, they just swapped out they just swapped out Ariza's 34 minutes and um you know whatever third string point guards minutes they just swapped that out for two actual nba caliber players so i don't, I don't think that's too bad i think it's pretty good yeah no but it, it is still a position that you have uh, an awful lot of players at it wasn't as if that if they had gotten a guy 
of uh, Ubre's age with his kind of talent at point guard, you go, this was a brilliant deal because it filled a need or at power forward. Instead, you get another small forward. So it's just, it's just shuffling things uh, again. But I, I would, I would explore what the market for Josh Jackson is because to me, keeping Ubre is a, is appealing at this point. Well, we get to watch him for seven weeks. The trade deadline is earlier this year than usual. It's February 7th. So we get to watch them, uh, Josh Jackson and Kelly Oubre, play side by side. And really, if if their if their production is about equal, then you keep Jackson because you've got him under much more reasonable uh, contract, and he can grow uh, into a better player, um, like like everyone thought he was going to be in the 2017 draft. Whereas with Oubre, you kind of know what you've got because he's two years more in, further into his career than Josh. He can still grow as well. But he's a little bit closer to his ceiling than Josh Jackson is. So I just want to see them play next to each other for seven weeks and see what see how we feel in early February. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I'd rather see them both play longer than make, make a knee-jerk move right now unless, unless some long-term future point guard is available right now for one of them. Uh, taking a step back on this deal, though, I just, the, the whole thing to me just points to the fact that they need to hire a president of basketball operations with a lot of experience. And uh, you guys had Bob Young on last week, one of my one of my favorite guys. He had a great piece in The Athletic this week talking about how David Griffin is the logical choice to come in here and try to straighten out this front office. And I think this week proved, again, you need a guy like that to be a stabilizing force. I'm just not sure we're ever going to get there. Nope, you're just pissing into the wind, Greg. Because <laughs> Robert Sarver does has proven over and over, he's never, ever hired anyone no. qualified for the job he put him into. No, because sense. I think he thinks he's the guy that's qualified to do all this uh, in one way or another, and that's why his hands and, and his fingerprints are all over this yet again this this week in terms of, of these moves. So at this point, just name yourself the GM. I mean, if, you, if you're going to do it, just be honest. Like, say, hey, I'm running this show. Don't hide from it. Don't act like you're – don't claim you're not some meddling guy. Just own it and be that and do it. Uh, be Jerry Jones like in the, with the Dallas Cowboys. He doesn't hide it. He says, I own this team. I'm the GM. I'm making all the calls. And just be that guy. Don't don't try to lie to us because I'm, I'm – like, let's just play it like it is and, and kill the hope that we're going to actually get a guy like that and then just run this team the way you want to. So – go ahead and grade Trevor Ariza's tenure with the Suns uh, 26 games uh, and and keep in mind don't don't worry about the dollar sign on the contract but just his actual production and impact on and off the court Trevor Ariza with the Suns 26 games 10 points five and a half rebounds three assists a steal and a half shooting 38 percent from the field overall 36 percent from three he did start all 26 games averaging 34 minutes per game he had a negative net rating of minus eight a box plus minus of negative 0.2 but a positive vorp value over replacement <clears throat> player of 0.4 uh, uh, i know that when we had started off this season we said something along the lines of if on December 15th, the Suns are either buying Trevor Reza out or trading him, that this was a failure. But I want to hear where you're feeling about it now. Uh, I'd give him a Z because he doesn't even deserve an F. It was it was that bad. He didn't, didn't play well, wasn't a leader like they expected. Uh, and as much as you don't want me to look at the money, you have to look at the money that, that was – that was given to him and he didn't live up to the contract either. The only saving grace is that they actually did turn and flip him for something of value. Uh, originally people were talking that it would be some kind of buyout and he'd just get a walk back to, back to Houston when we were talking about this potentially at the beginning of the season, uh, it was a, it, it was an abject failure. There was a, there was nothing that, that played out the way it needed to with Trevor Ariza. I, <laughs> I tweeted yesterday that I did I did some quick checking on NBA.com and Trevor Ariza allows his opponents this year to shoot nine percent better from the field than they do normally for the um, and somebody made a comment that 
Well, he's always defending the other team's best player. A, no, he wasn't. Uh, there was a lot of switching and and all that. He wasn't on the other team's best player most of the time. And B, he allowed all those guys to shoot 9.9% better than they would than they did against any other teams. That you know, maybe you're, you can make excuses if you want on why Trevor Ariza allowed that high a percentage, but only Devin Booker only allowed five percent better, and DeAndre Ayton actually allowed a little bit um, worse mm. overall. At the rim, he allowed a lot, but uh, but overall, teams uh, his direct opponent was shooting worse than than their their season mm. average. Okay. Okay. I have an issue with that stat, though, Dave, and I have to bring it up. I have to bring it up because what you're saying, and I know it's not the grander point, but it's, it's just it's it's cherry picking a stat. So um, DeAndre Ayton allows opponents to shoot a better percentage within uh, six feet of the rim. So basically around the rim, opponents are shooting a lot better. The frequency of those shots is a lot higher. What he where this is he, not a DeAndre. Ayton I know, but state. where he keeps opponents shooting less is from uh, the three-point line, but that's on a frequency of guarding one point three shots per game. So, <clears throat> but it, Dave's, I know Dave's point was not right, my fucking though. Point, and, Tim. I know and, it's not your point, but it, it, that part of the argument bothers me. Dave, Dave's point was simple. Ariza sucked on defense, and he was supposed to be a stalwart there for this team. That's Dave's point, and it's still accurate. I mean, I don't disagree with you. And now you're making me defend Dave, so I don't know how I feel about any of this. <laughs> Dave, know, Dave knows that I had an issue with this because we got into it on tweets. Dave looked like he's ready to hop in a car, come to Florida, and kick your ass right now. <laughs> Which, I, at this point, I'm all for. Go ahead, Dave. <laughs> Dave, would you like to talk? I'll box out Tim and you can go for it. All right. Mm, no, I don't want to talk. <laughs> okay, carry on. Carry on with your argument. Your point. Mm. Mm. Oh. All right. Well, it's, so this gives us extra time, Tim. Let's just do this. Let's go to go into whatever you want to talk about next. But Ariza sucked. All right. <laughs> There's no way to paint it in any other way. Ariza sucked here. And it, and it looked like he was just cashing in a paycheck. It did not look like he cared. It did not look like he had any desire to be the veteran leader or anybody that, that was going to help motivate these guys. And, and it, so that's why the second uh, December 15th hit, uh, the Suns accidentally traded for Marshawn Brooks, backed out of it, and then got Oubre and, and, and Austin Rivers. Did you guys talk about where exactly is Austin Rivers going to play? I've had this debate with a few people. Uh, is he a is he now a point guard here? Is he the backup shooting guard? Is do we have do we have no clue what he is? Uh, well, I mean, he's uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier. He's fifteen percent uh, assist percentage. He's played shooting guard and point guard for uh, three or four different teams that he's been on. Um, in my opinion, he's going to be the starting point guard uh, for the rest of the season, uh, assuming they don't trade him with uh, D'Anthony Melton coming off the bench. That's how I would think it would play out. But uh, Dave, if he is up for speaking now, might have a different opinion. Hmm, let me think about it. Uh, let's see. What I would say is that <clears throat> you're going to see Austin Rivers get a lot of starts in the beginning. Uh, he's going to play next to Devin Booker. They're going to see how he fits. Uh, Devin Booker's going to handle the ball a ton. Uh, he's going to get um, average more assists than than Austin Rivers will, for sure. Um, but they're going to try to see if Austin Rivers can be the predictable version of a DeAnthony Melton that we all hope for on a night, night, nightly basis with around 12 points, around four assists, that kind of thing. We hope for that from DeAnthony Melton. We never got that from and hope for it, but never got it from Isaiah Kanan and and the other guys. And so I expect they'll do the same exact thing with Austin Rivers that they did with those other guys. And because Austin Rivers is in his mid twenties, um, he's going to get a little bit of, uh, um, uh, more run in that lineup, just like Trevor Ariza did, just like the uh, other guys, uh, even Isaiah Cannon, one of the biggest reasons he actually got run in the lineup was because at least he had experience in the NBA and you can't fault Igor Kokoshkov for wanting guys that are predictable even if they're predictably not great, out on the court because at least he knows what he's going to get. So D'Anthony Melton even, um, 
I wrote an article that over, you know, five games stretch there, he averaged uh, some really good numbers of, you know, 14, six and four. But the thing is that the very next night he went, Oh, for everything from the floor and dished one assist. And then Saturday night, he did better again. Uh, so you just don't always know what you're going to get. So, yeah, I expect up. But uh, my, where I differ from Tim is that I don't think Austin Rivers will get an unlimited run as that starter next to Devin Booker unless he plays really well and we all agree to it. Um, because uh, Igor does like DeAnthony Melton uh, right now. We may have seen the last of Eliakobo this year and allow him to basically redshirt the rest of the year. We may have seen that. Um, because I don't think the Suns are going to tank in the second half of the season. So I really do think that the Suns are going to try to win 30, 40, 50 percent of their games in the last month of the season just to finish on a, on a much better note. So I really unless the Suns have retraded these guys, which they certainly could. But to get to get rid of these um, actual NBA players in, in Ubre and Rivers. But I think those guys are going to get run this year. They won't necessarily start um, the whole year. Certainly. Um, same thing with Ubre. I'm not sure if he's going to start either because um, Josh Jackson is also going to get because he's been here a while. But uh, short story long, I guess, is what I did there. I think Austin Rivers will get a lot of starts in the next 30 days. And then the rest of it is up to how well he played. DeAnthony Melton's going to get a lot of minutes the rest of these, this year. And we've probably seen the end of Elia Kobo and, and Juwan Evans. Makes sense to me. I like Melton a lot. I do too. I love him. Okay, I I got a bone to pick though. There was an article on Brightside this week that said he's very much like Eric Bledsoe. I wrote it. So okay, so so now he's very much like Eric Bledsoe. So basically, we we went hey. Let's get a guy that's very much like the guy we ran out of town because we didn't like the way he played point guard. Hey, look, I've never, that's exactly the point I was trying to make, though, Greg. On the good side and the bad side, he is, uh, DeAnthony Melton is not a point guard. Actually, Eric Bledsoe was a better point guard than DeAnthony Melton. Looks like to me that he's going to end up being. But DeAnthony Melton is going to be a guy who, on a given night, could get you a triple double. Uh, yeah. Because everything's, you know, guys are making every shot he passes them passes them into. Um, but he'll get rebounds, he'll get steals, he'll get blocks, he'll get he'll he'll be able to score at the rim as he develops his confidence a little bit, and he'll be able to make just enough shots to keep the other team guessing. Uh, but he's not going to be a great shooter. He's not going to be a great passer. But uh, people are going to love his effort. And as long as he focuses on defense, he's going to be he's going to be really effective in the league. But there is a ceiling to that kind of player. I get that. And that's that's exactly the other reason that I put that comparison in there because there's going to be a ceiling on him. Yeah, and and I, I like the potential. And I think you're right. I, I There was just an irony to the whole thing. But I, I think he, he, if they can find a, a good, true point guard, he's the perfect kind of backup guy to have come in uh, and give you those minutes and, and know that on any night you might ride the hot hand with him to fill a stat sheet. So I, I like like the comparison, knew you were going for the irony, but it did make me laugh on there. So my one question left with this trade, and then we can move on to the other god-awful stuff that happened this week. Is this team better right now than they were heading into this trade is this, is this does this help answer anything does it make them a better team are they better now because of the trade yes that's the question yes i agree yeah i think I, they they're 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 like seven nba players deep now instead of six so i actually i i i really do think people give igor a lot of a lot of flack for the Suns not really executing well on offense or defense in the first part of the season. But like I already talked about a few minutes ago, the Suns by far have the fewest minutes this season for for people at that their athletic prime who have NBA experience. Um, so yeah, I think Igor is going to love the fact that he's got a couple of more guys that are at least predictable and that can play competitively. And we saw on Saturday night when all you got to do is get Devin Booker and T.J. Warren in that offense. And they, the Suns can be competitive every night. They were competitive for three weeks before 
Booker and Warren inexplicably went down at the same exact time and missed two weeks of, of play. And, and they're going to be competitive going forward, too, with those guys healthy. It's all about Booker, and it's all about T.J. Warren. The two guys, those guys have to be healthy for the Suns to be competitive. But the Suns do have a better rotation now than they did two days ago because neither Rivers nor Oubre are going to walk up and down the court and then uh, just completely check out the rest of the season. I don't see that happening. And they're both yeah. in contract years, too. Yeah, yeah. I know. Ariza was in a contract year, too, but Ariza's yeah, contract like year was aimed at getting himself— Ariza's contract year was aimed at getting himself out of Phoenix as quickly as possible so he has his money and his playoff contender. And I'm actually— uh, the bad guy in me is actually pretty happy that he ends up going to Washington because they are not, th- that is not a guaranteed playoff run uh, that he got put into. So I, I'm I'm kind of happy about that because he was trying to use the Suns to get his $15 million and his NBA championship by getting traded or released. So ha, right there on you, Trevor. <laughs> um, but I don't think these other guys are going to dog it like Trevor did because they do need contracts next year. And they, there is no plan for them to get retraded to playoff teams. Well, and they're yeah. also, they're NBA players, but they're more so specifically, I think, with Austin Rivers, is they're more um, fringe NBA players than a Trevor Reza, meaning that they're, you know, Trevor Reza has been in the league for so long that he's made his money, he's had his contracts, uh, he's he's been around the block, he has less to play for. These guys, to your point, in their athletic primes, um, that next contract they get, they need that next contract. That next one is the biggest one they're going to get for the rest of their careers. Right. Hey, and you know what? I It's dumb luck, I think, that they actually wound up better because if that original trade had gone down, either version of it, depending on which uh, Brooks you thought you were getting, I don't think it's as good, and I don't think it helps them as much. So this actually does make them better. Uh, in a weird roundabout way. Now, does it make them significantly better? Probably not, but it makes them better enough that it's going to make it easier and a little bit more fun to watch the product on the court the rest of the year. And I and there's a sneaking suspicion in me it's the first of a few moves that are coming as yeah, well. That was my first take as well. Yeah. Oh, wow, the, the Suns are going to be making a lot of moves this year. I, do, I believe that as well. Um, because the trade deadline is earlier this year, it's February 7th instead of later in February, and we're already at December 15th, neither of these guys can be retraded in a group trade. So if you guys are thinking about flipping Ubre, unless it's inside this current trade before the trade call next um, to, um, Monday, if you are thinking about flipping Ubre because Josh Jackson for some reason is going, it plays better, um, then Ubre can only be traded by himself. And Austin Rivers can only be traded by himself the rest of the year. You cannot aggregate players uh, for 60 days after they've been acquired. Uh, so I just want to make sure everyone knows that that's clear. That's not been the case in prior years because the deadline was more than two months later. Uh, but this year, the trade deadline is less than two months later than December 15th. But it could be one of those wink, wink, these are two separate deal kind of things. But sure, they're sure, really, sure. They're yeah, really yeah. the same thing. You could do simultaneous trades exactly with the same teams and, and exactly. But but those teams would have to have the room to acquire one of those players, yeah. either with a trade exception or uh, with a, you know, something like that. Right. I think uh, is it Rivers or is it Ubre that's making a 12? I think it's Rivers, right? Rivers, Rivers making... makes 12 and Ubre is, I think, only in the threes. Yeah. The Solar Panel Podcast, where we have irrational love for anyone drafted by the Suns in the second round. Uh, so the Suns are 2-0 and since Devin Booker tweeting, I love Phoenix. Hey, I got to tell you, I I loved that he did that because in the, in the midst of all the chaos that was going on this week and, and, and the things that were making Suns fans just feel, uh, quite frankly, like crap about the team they've chosen to root for— Devin Booker is is aware enough to go, these fans need something and deserve something and need to know that I actually give a crap about this city. And that was that 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 was so smart on his part. And and it was one of the few things this week that I went, hey, that that actually isn't that that that's actually a good thing to come out of this is Devin Booker genuinely loves 
the 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 fans here, and they deserve a guy like that. Yeah, I think it's really good. I I, I think um, the so as a quick recap to make sure that everyone's on the same page. So uh, the Suns were trying to get the city of Phoenix to agree to a big renovation deal for the um, Sun Stadium, which actually has to happen. It is uh, that that stadium is 25 years old now, and it looks at every bit of it every day. And so the, the stadium does need renovation. How much the city pays versus the Suns ownership pays is, is what's up for debate on that. And while the Suns were trying to talk the city into, into doing it, reportedly Robert Sarver made some offhand comment, probably not unlike when he threatened the uh, players in the, in the lockout year of 2011 going, my wife wants me, wants me to bring the mid-level exception back in her designer handbag um, as his, as his, tongue-in-cheek funny comment about uh the player's stance or the owner's stance of trying to get rid of the mid-level um but you know that's the kind of crap that comes out of that mouth uh, of this guy and he made some kind of offhand comment uh that made everyone feel like he was threatening to move the team uh and do we want to do we want to fully get into this now tim or do you have this as a topic because i got plenty of we have 15 minutes left about right. on this episode so if you guys want to close it out with this that's fine yeah so let me just finish yeah. that recap then so on that recap uh so sarver apparently made some offhand comment before the overall panel realized they did not have the city council did not uh did not have enough votes for a yes so they postponed the vote until january uh so they can have some public forums and all that and i thought that uh that that city of phoenix resident did a great job um, he's so tight. He squeaks when he walks uh, comment about Sarver. I thought that was great. Um, but the the thing is that Sarver immediately com- uh, argued that he had not said anything specific like that. The Suns president immediately said, no, the Suns never said anything like that. I know it came out in, in an offhand comment and that's how people took it. That's the way things happen in these, in these negotiations. Sarver made some offhand comment that um, made everyone feel that bad. And uh, that's just that's par for the course for this guy. And it's par for the course for um, him to, you know, make himself look bad. The Suns look bad. Us look bad. Everybody look bad. That's just the life we live. I think they're arguing semantics, because if you go back and you look at the retraction, it was, well, he didn't ever specifically say Seattle or Las Vegas, but it was implied. Right. And to me, to me, that doesn't shock me. He, he, you're right. It was probably some offhand comment that if we don't get this done, I will move the team. Now, whether he meant he'd move it to the reservation here in town, or he meant he was going to move it to Las Vegas or Seattle, he made a threat and he knew what that was going to do. And then the Suns went into the typical backtrack PR spin and even their social media account became the ministry of misinformation. Did you see when they tweeted, finally the truth comes out? We're, we're two, we're two tweets away from it saying fake news. All right. It was, it was a pretty Trumpian tweet. This whole thing feels very much like that. Okay. It's a guy that doesn't think through what he's going to say. He shoots off his mouth in a situation and then it's, his employees have to find a way to backtrack and try to cover it. And Jason Raleigh didn't fully cover it when he went and went on all this. And they went into complete defense mode, which I've been there when this happens. And it, it, it's a complete panic. How do we clean up what Robert said and then try to make his image look better, which was the video that came out with him. That was another thing that just felt scripted and forced. Wow, and that video didn't but, go over well on social media. I can yeah, tell you that yeah, much. No, no, it's like, it's like your crazy uncles trying to tell you, yeah, I didn't mean to insult everybody at Christmas dinner. All right, well, great. You still did. It doesn't matter. Right. And then, and then did you guys see on Instagram what the sons did the same night that the report of the tweets came out? They ran a promo tweet about something going on at the casino called vintage Vegas. All right. <laughs> Everything is tone deaf. It's it's like we live like this whole week was somehow we lived in the damn twilight zone. And as a lifelong Suns fan, this was the moment where I literally went, is this worth it anymore? Is any of this worth it? Is it worth me spending time to watch these games, spending my sa- Saturday mornings or Sunday mornings talking about this team, spending my evenings trying to write columns for Dave and Brightside? Is any of this crap worth it anymore after a 30-year investment? Because a guy who doesn't get it, who, we, who we've 
don't necessarily like a guy who I tried to find a way to defend over the years. And actually uh, I, I can, he's a, there's something in there that he genuinely wants to win, but he pulls this crap. And I don't know that it's worth it for Suns fans anymore because at some point you're sitting there and the only reason you're still rooting for this team is because of some sense of your youth. And these guys that you rooted for, whether you grew up in the 70s with the Cinderella Suns or the 80s with the, the Chambers, KJ, Marley teams or the 90s in the Purple Gang from Phoenix or the seven seconds or less Suns uh, or if somehow you became a fan during this god-awful 10-year stretch, you're... You're only rooting, still rooting for them as adults because of some connection to you as a kid. And why do I care anymore as an adult if you're going to treat me and treat my city and treat other fans the way that they did this week? Whether whether it was an implied threat, whether it, it, whatever it was, you know I, that that pisses me off. And it comes down to you are a a billionaire because of the investment you put into this team. You worked in real estate, so you know how to get the money and get deals done. And you're trying to screw a city into paying for crap too. So this all comes down to you're too cheap to pay for your own damn arena. And then you threaten my city and my, and, and the people that I've bonded with because I love this team to try to leave this city. That that's my that's my delineation line. That was the, where he crossed the he can't come back from it. There's no way Robert Sarver ever comes back from that. The other stuff, fine. He he he's not he wasn't smart in being an owner. But this is the line. That was the line in the sand, and I always knew that. The, and I think I even mentioned it on this show that the nuclear option was eventually going to happen. If he didn't get his way, he was going to be a petulant two-year-old who made the threat to leave the city. Whether it was implied or if it was directly said to one of these city council members. And here we are. And I don't know how to rectify that as a fan. Why spend our hard-earned money? Why dedicate our time to to deal with a guy like this anymore? You don't need to rectify it, Greg. It's the son's owner that needs to rectify it. He needs to stop saying, you know, actually, he just needs to start actually committing to the city of Phoenix to the fan base by putting a freaking product on the court that actually wins games. And then you don't have so many things to freaking worry about. But even if the Suns were winning games, that doesn't mean he wouldn't have said, oh, I can move this team. It's about how he says it. It's about how cavalier it is. And it's about um, just a, a total yeah, tone deafness, like you said uh, a couple of minutes ago. That's the problem here. And uh, we're stuck with Robert Sarver as an owner. No one's taking him out of that position unless he does something incredibly offensive uh, offensive on the national landscape. And, and Sarver isn't that kind of guy. So we're stuck with this guy until he decides to sell the team. And when he does, everyone's going to throw a party. But until he does, we're, we, we have to deal with it or we have to quit following the team. Yeah. And I don't have the capacity to quit following the team. To yeah, Robert just... Sarver's credit... Oh, God, don't even go there. I, I will I, walk I, off this show right now forever I, if you try to defend him right I'm now. Not, I'm not defending Robert Sarver. I can say that uh, it is typical of cities to help renovate the arenas in which the sports teams operate at. That's the Yeah, norm. because they make tons of money off the presence of that sports team. Yeah. Being there, the, the, yeah, and, you, and okay, if we talk about Dudley's tweets about the Suns having the worst practice facility in the league, Devin Booker liking that tweet, yada yada yada. I'm not defending Sarver. I am just saying it. It is the norm for cities to no, pick up some of the bill. I agree, and I think they should pick up some of the bill, especially if they're going to continue to own it, and the Suns are just going to operate it. But the Suns also make a lot of money off of operating that building, playing there, naming rights. Like this. It, I'm fine, and I don't want to get into the politics. Fine, you know what? If if the city pays for it, the city pays for it. But usually, there's operate you operate in a good faith negotiation. And the other part of this is the city wants it to be, you know, or at least at one point, based on my sources within in the city government, wanted it to be a dual tenant arena because there is another franchise out there in the Phoenix Coyotes that are in search of a home. And that benefits the city even more if there's, instead of 
43 dates. There's 86 dates that are filled with a professional sports team, and this, that's a no-go for the Suns completely in this negotiation. So I'm not sure that this was ever a, a, a fully good faith, let's partner with the city, let's try to do what's best. It was, let's do what's best for the Suns and try to get the city to pay as much of the bill as possible. And and I get it. That's part of this dance and, and, and dog and pony show. And if, if it had just been that and there was no implied threat or – uh, imaginary th- whatever the heck is going on fine i wouldn't even i wouldn't even argue if if you've negotiated and you get you con the city council into paying 150 million will you pay 80 great congratulations you played the politics game better than other people that's not my real issue here but dave i agree there is there is nothing that that we can do to rectify it it's up to robert sarver and we've seen it he's had a decade to try to rectify this, to put a good team and a good product on the floor, to try to do something entertaining for our dollars. And he has failed at every turn of it. And I do not see that changing. So now we're sitting here going, do we spend our hard-earned money and the time that it takes to be truly dedicated to a sports team to continue to follow this? Because we're at a stalemate right now. Unless things get significantly better on the court, which I just don't see it right now, what are we doing? What are any of us doing in supporting the current state of this franchise? I don't understand uh, what what we're doing, especially after the week that we've had. Now, I hope that changes. This could be a guttural reaction where I'm emotionally, and obviously I am emotionally reacting to this, but man, it was, you got put through the ringer this week and you get left wondering what the hell that's all that that's all that's left Mm -hmm. for me is what the hell, you know, and, and the, and the not great Bob is all I keep coming back to. Like that's, that's, that's where we are, and I don't. I just don't get it. Like it, it was, it was a week where, as a thirty-five-year-old adult, I'm just going, "Why am I wasting my time right now?" And and it's just, it, I don't think we get any true validation for why we are at times with this group because it's like the Keystone Cops. I, that's a reference Dave will get, and nobody else will get. But basically, uh, a a bunch of people running around bumping into each other yakety sack should be what they play uh for for the introductions because they can't get out of their own damn way in any situation and it hasn't changed in, in 10 years and people go oh the first six years of robert sarver's tenure were the were the winningest six years of the franchise history because i know because i had to make that argument for years well there's a reason for that because if you look at that roster jerry colangelo built that it the key of all that Amari, Nash, uh, you know, Marion were all prior to Robert Sarver. He paid the bill for something that, that the Colangelo's built at that point, and that's why they won. And the reason that they didn't get over the hump and really win it all was because he didn't spend the extra money it required to add the additional pieces to get over the hump. So if you look at it, the 10 years he's been on his own running this have been just a ridiculous mess and a comedy of errors and we haven't gotten anywhere we could talk about joe johnson yeah he how <laughs> how bad did he f that up joe johnson kurt thomas uh there were several uh trading away the first round picks of course and not having guys to replace the free agents he was letting leave and and the trades he was allowed to make allowing his team his uh general managers to make the, the biggest thing here is he's never hired anybody who knew how to do their job before they did it. He, uh, every single general manager, every single head coach has been inexperienced in that role in the NBA. I, I have no idea why um, over after 15 years, Robert Sarver still thinks that's a, that's a valid business model. Um, you would think you, you would learn from your, from your losses, from your lessons, from your, uh, failures and he still hasn't he's still got co-gms here for the who who've never done the gm job before he's got a rookie head coach who i like as a coach and i think will be a good coach in the nba but he's gone through six or eight of these guys and none of them have lasted so you it's unbelievable that how how little has been learned over the years 
Now, just overall, though, I can't stop being a fan of the franchise because I, I, I enjoy all the people that are in that in that organization. I enjoy working with the media relations people. Um, there are hardworking people in this franchise who who really care about the team and about the Phoenix community uh, that do not reflect Robert Sarver's questionable um, um, loyalties when he's going to throw stuff like that out there and, and erode the fan base further. The, there are great employees who really care about the community, and Greg knows this as well as anybody because he worked in that um, in that in that arena for a long time. Um, so I'm not going to stop being a fan of the franchise. I'm not going to stop rooting for them to win, and I'm probably not going to stop even watching every minute of every game. I mean, it's just it is what it is. But I understand Greg's frustration that what the hell? Every single week is another what the hell moment. When are we going to have a I can't believe how good this is moment again? That's what I'm looking forward to. Well, we always say it's rock bottom until you realize this is a franchise that all they know is how to dig themselves a hole. So every time you think it's rock bottom, they grab the shovels, they dig another level deeper. And that's the problem. And you're totally right, Dave. I'm never going to stop rooting for the people within that building that that are fantastic people that work their asses off to try to to try to do their jobs to the best of their abilities. The Julie Fies, uh, Cole Michelson, uh, the Jay Gaspar, Aaron Nelson, that whole team. DC uh, there, DC yeah. Headley, that whole group <laughs> that works their asses off. But there's a whole level of people there that that just don't get it, and that's that's the big problem here. And it's so frustrating. You're right, I Dave. I I probably will never walk away from from rooting for this team at a base level uh, and rooting for those people. But man, you, you just look around and you go, how did this happen and how does it continue to happen? And at some point, I, and I wrote this on Brightside this week, I think Adam Silver has to consider the Philadelphia option here. Installing somebody in a president of basketball operations role that is in charge of overseeing the product to try to make this better because this is this is insulting to the league how bad this has gotten and you wonder why Robert Sarver has done the same thing for 15 years Dave the answer is simple and you can look around a lot of key areas in the organization it comes down to cheap get the cheapest option to fill the role and you could look if you look around and there's some very obvious places that you can look around it's you they chose the cheapest option uh not saying that the people that they hired in those positions aren't talented but they chose the cheapest option in a lot of areas to fill those roles because well why spend the money when we can just go the cheapest route tim is apparently eating that's how long i've talked is he went it's lunchtime here in florida i'm going to eat rather than listen i think no i've been listening i think you've been going on for like 15 minutes my 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 stomach was quite literally rumbling and i was worried it was going to get picked up on the mic hey you said we had 15 minutes left and dave and i said damn it we're gonna fill that 15 minutes with a rant (laughs) now as a as a Recap for the week. I'm very happy the Suns have won two games in a row. Um, the Their players are showing fight. I, I like the chemistry that they're starting to build. Devin Booker said on Saturday night they're at they're talking or thinking less and doing more, which is which is always a big help uh, when you can actually just execute the offensive and defensive schemes uh, without having to think about it too much because the NBA is about split second decisions or millisecond decisions. So uh, I, I like seeing the team being competitive, and I'm looking forward to them being competitive in spite of their ownership right now. Can I say something well, about DeAndre Ayton? Yes, as long you as can. you're done chewing, yeah. Okay. Uh, DeAndre Ayton on Saturday night, I think that he had four fouls. He picked up three pretty quickly, and I was extremely happy to see it. Good. Yeah, I want to see aggressiveness. And I, you know— Dumb fouls Today, or not, just go no, out there yeah. and, and play. Don't don't worry about things. Just go out there and be aggressive. And and to Dave's point, we should have been 
spending this entire episode talking about, did the Suns finally click? Did they finally figure out what they needed because they won two in a row? And instead we had to discuss all this other BS, uh, you know, but I am, I'm happy to see them finally figuring it out on the court, playing as a team. Devin Booker comes back and proves, yes, he is a star in this league. Even, even if coming off a hamstring injury on, on Saturday night, he showed again, why he's so beloved by by fans. TJ Warren is having a career year and continues to play well. I mean, that's that's the stuff that's getting lost in this other in these other things is 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 that the good stuff, the fun stuff, the things that we should be discussion discussing. And yes, I hope it's gonna click for DeAndre Ayton. And I hope I hope Devin Booker takes it on himself to continue to get in in DeAndre Ayton's grill and get him fired up and, and get him to to show the passion because I, a lot of people are acting as if this kid doesn't care. And I know that's not true. This kid cares about the game, but he's got to, he's got to get in a mental place where he's ready to just go up against it and bang with the, these bigger guys night in, night out. And, and hopefully he figures it out. And hopefully Saturday night was the start of that aggressiveness. Yeah. I want to make my uh, weekly. Yeah. But comment uh, because everyone's going to say, yeah, but after I make this, this kind of uh, comment, but DeAndre Aiden is currently on on pace to be the youngest ever to post a 15 and 10 and two and a half season. Uh, yeah, he's only 30 games in. He's got 82 to go, but I think he's going to get better throughout the season and not worse. And um, even Carl Anthony Towns was 21 in his uh, when he when he did this in his rookie year, whereas um, uh, when he put up numbers like this. Uh, and uh, Aiton's numbers are already a little bit better than Towns's were when he was a rookie. So I think um, I think we we crap all over Aiton for his effort level and things like that. But the guy's doing things that guys his age have not done in the NBA in a very 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 long time. So I know you're all going to yeah but that comment, but at least we should accept the fact that that this guy does produce and he's just scratching the surface of his talent. Why do I feel like the three of us are, are the only ones in this dinghy trying to defend DeAndre Ayton anymore while everybody else just continues to just beat on this guy constantly? And and we're obviously not homers. We just went on a 15-minute rant that maybe I sh- we shouldn't root for this team anymore. So, like, I, I, I don't know if everybody's blinded by the fact that he was the number one pick or what it is. Like, if he went number two and he was doing this, would anybody be – shouting from the rooftops that he's not a good player like like some people are now i don't think so so i uh, dave i'm not gonna yeah but you i totally agree with you there i do think it is a solely going number one issue with the criticism that he receives yes so we watched another former number one pick on saturday night play uh for the minnesota timberwolves and i'm not talking about carl anthony towns i'm talking about andrew wiggins andrew wiggins is a bad player regardless of where he went in the draft uh, but he's getting extra playing time because he was a former number one and he got that max extension because he was a former number one so um there is extra scrutiny on number one overall picks positive and negative um but I, I'd rather have a DeAndre Aiden than an Andrew Wiggins. So <laughs> I'll just make that little tiny comment. Yeah, DeAndre, or Andrew Wiggins gets a lot of flack too. Um, fun episode today, though. I wish we could, got to talk a little bit more actual basketball, but a lot, a lot happened this week. I almost really wanted to get on, on the mic and do an emergency quote-unquote podcast several times, but every time I was thinking about doing it, something else new would happen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, if... If we had done that on Wednesday or whenever that the original news broke, I I probably wouldn't be any allowed anywhere near the arena. I may not be after what I wrote for Brightside this week either. I don't know. We'll see the next time I try to go out there. But uh, but yeah, that wouldn't have been pretty. You think today's rant was uh, was special? Uh, if we had gone on right as that stuff was breaking, I would have sounded like little Greta talking about certain people squeaking when they walk and uh, and going off uh, in an epic style. So, by the way, Greta MVP of the week. I'm pretty sure her name was was Greta. Uh, if you ever want to come on the solar panel, you are more than welcome to sit here and uh, and spend time with us because I bow down to you and what you did at the city council. You are you are a true true Phoenician and a gem. 
Um, I, I want to ask Dave a question because I think that Dave was at this game. I think it was the one on Thursday, not 100% certain, but there was a um, Twitter, uh, or I'm sorry, a Reddit Suns person that had passed out these pamphlets with these certain chants that were going to happen during the first, second, third, and fourth quarters. Uh, I couldn't pick it up on TV. Uh, in the arena, did those chants happen? Yeah, I couldn't make the game either on Thursday. I My uh, youngest turned 21 this past week, and so we had a party for her. But um, Mike Vigil of the Timeline podcast um, posted a video of one of the quarter's chants, and he said it was hard to pick up on his phone. But you could hear pockets of, of fans chanting, uh, Sarver sucks. Yeah. Come on, that's not creative. I, I would have gone with the Jerry just like taunt him that way like because there's nothing that gets under his skin more than uh than jerry colangelo yeah <laughs> actually the 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 chance went uh a bit national on some of the national nba shows that we're talking about the suns were on a lot of national nba shows this week oh, <laughs> how, about, <good> for them. <laughs> how about stan van gundy you guys heard that one yeah, yeah. <laughs> like i want you know what I don't care about the basketball side of it. Stan Van Gundy for general manager and head coach after after what he pulled this week. Congratulations, Stan Van. Also very entertaining. What, what was his quote again? Something like, uh, forget him taking a basketball team to Vegas or Seattle. He should take one to Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, should bring, he should bring an NBA team to Phoenix. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, guys. Well, until next week, and we'll be back. You just got done listening to the solar panel. For more great Suns content, check out the Timeline podcast for stuff like this. There's no way that Hakeem Olajuwon makes his own pancakes. <laughs> I'm really sorry that you just made a great coherent point and that's all I had to respond with, but it, all it did was lead me to look up the fact that Hakeem Olajuwon made $110 million in his NBA career and God knows how much since then. He easily has someone at his ranch to make his pancakes, right? That's The Timeline, a Phoenix Suns podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. 